You, the entrepreneur, are the backbone of the American economy. And without you, we'd be a pretty boring nation. As an entrepreneur, you are overworked, underappreciated, and probably last to get paid. So why do you do it? Because in your heart, you wouldn't have it any other way. The idea of controlling your own destiny and overindulging at the buffet of life excites and thrills you. It is the reason you wake each morning. The Business Buffet is a podcast-based coaching environment where you gain personal nourishment, professional growth, and recipes for success. Our business fiction episodes are chock full of valuable how-to, can-do, and what-to-do information, all designed to inspire you. Grab a plate and take a seat. It is time for some Business Buffet. Hi, honey. Hi, sweetie. What's up? Uh, I had to fire the kid I hired last week. What happened? Uh, He made a series of major mistakes and then got mouthy with the client. I tried to explain, but damage has been done. You mean the Fillmore account? But I thought you invested in software and new computer equipment to manage the account. Uh, I need to get out of the office. Do you want to meet for coffee? Uh, Sure. I'll meet you at the place across the street from your office in 10 minutes. David shut up his office and headed out the door. The light from the summer sun glared in through the glass pane doors, and he heard his footsteps on the tile floor echo throughout the building. David paused at the door and thought about all that had happened. His once very successful business was now in trouble. Well, if you could accuse anybody of being downright evil, it would be him. What do you mean? That contractor I hired. I think he purposely screwed with the Fillmore account. Now we've lost a business, owe back the deposit, and are overextended on new subscriptions we paid for to help with the new business workload. What are you going to do? I'm going to have to pick up the slack and figure out how to recover our losses. David is finding it more and more difficult to concentrate at the office because of all of the chamber foot traffic. David has many friends in the community, and lots of people who visit the chamber also swing by David's office to chat, and now David is finding it hard to get his work done. Tana, I'm really struggling getting my work done at the office. So why don't you move the office back to the house? I just feel like we'll lose access to all the potential new business. Uh, If only I wouldn't have hired that guy to help. You can't keep beating yourself up. I know. It just makes me angry. We're, we're four years in, and it feels like we're starting all over again. Should David continue with leasing the office in the chamber building or relocate his business to a home office? Today's episode is brought to you by F1 for Help, the computer specialists of North Idaho. Visit www.f1forhelp.net Or call Joe at 208-687-0183 and you'll understand why they say we clean windows, but we aren't janitors. F1 for help for all of your computer repair needs. Also, by Abandon Your Aches Massage, where they say feel better, live better. Visit them at ayamassagecda.com or call them at 208-691-2497 and learn firsthand while they say, relief, relax, 
refresh. An Oasis Lawn and Pest. Tell insects to buzz off by calling 208-921-3686 or visit Aaron and Chelsea on the web at www.oasislawnandpest.com. They'll come out and remove the creepy crawlies from your home, giving you back the peace you deserve. So the question you had, Ed, that was a great question. Should he continue with leasing the office or relocate his business? Man, that's tough. You know, you uh, set up a business that you think is is just going to launch, and then something seemingly out of your control rears its ugly head, and you find yourself in a real pickle. You know, it is tough. Um, one of the reasons I didn't hire employees is I could, I just could never trust that someone would have the care for the customer that I have. But, I, you know, I know it's really put my business behind the curve with regards to a maximum size. So, I mean, I really feel for the situation David's in. Yeah, it's certainly when you make the choice that actually both of us have made uh, to not have employees. Right. You slow down the sustain, the, the, the scaling aspect I actually had a conversation with someone that is just almost identical to our guy, David, here. And it was something that he was so transparent when I talked to him. His name is Nathan. And gosh, he was very, very uh, forthright with some questions I asked him because he kind of had something happen when he had his business that was almost identical to David in his situation. You want to take a listen? Yeah, let's take a listen to that. My name is Nathan Frisk, and uh, the company that I had was called Aero Communications. Tell me what happened. Uh, why is Aero Communications, why, why are they no longer, no, no longer in existence? Uh, well, the short version of our story is that uh, I, number one, had no idea how to run a business. I kind of fell into running a business as uh, an independent contractor and freelancer and did really well for a couple of years and had to scale things up. Um, and then as we continued to grow the business through our overhead, through our, uh, our team size, all of that stuff, um, I had no idea how to sell and leverage my business relationships. Uh, so despite the fact that we had a, we had a really uh, powerful creative team we did projects for delta airlines and johnson 1-800 flowers we produced a lot of content for those big names we had no idea how to leverage our relationships with those clients um, both for ourselves or for the client we didn't know how to take what we did which was content production and offer something more comprehensive to the client where they could see this is this is the direct effect on our bottom line. Uh, everything that we did was typically a piece of a larger marketing campaign of some sort. And what we found with a lot of those clients is even some of the big names um, had no idea how to tie direct marketing efforts, campaigns, spend back to tangible results. So they didn't know what kind of actual ROI they were getting from any campaign that they were doing. And when you're spending five to 20 grand on video production that we were doing, for example, it's really hard to keep justifying that kind of spend if you don't have some really tangible results. And 
we didn't have the the foresight um, wrapped around how to actually be more involved in that process to show them here's what this is driving. Um, and so because of that, uh, and several other reasons, um, you know, with our team scaling up and, and all of that stuff, we didn't know how to how to stay afloat when people didn't think they needed video production. So were there signs you could have recognized that could have helped you avoid the collapse? Um, looking back, absolutely. Um, so we had, I mean, we had several lines of credit um, and it was normal for us to dip into those if we had, you know, a, a big equipment purchase or uh, if we had to front the cost of, uh, of some sort of production because we had a contract in the pipeline. And that was a level of risk that we were comfortable with. Um, I think the first sign, though, uh, was there was one month I remember specifically I had to pay someone off of a credit card. And that really... Um, it wasn't, I mean, we'd paid people off credit cards before, but this was the first month where we didn't have cash in the bank to do that um, and just pay that off immediately. And that, looking back, was one of the first signs that, hey, our cash flow is lower than it should be, and I'm paying someone, and I don't have a full project here. Uh, we really ought to rework something pretty quickly. Um, and I think now that would have been one of the first indicators. So Nathan, how involved was your wife in this business endeavor? So my wife was super supportive, but not involved in the business side of things. So when I had initially started the company and kind of moved from freelancer to a small agency organization, uh, and had a small distributed team. She was super supportive in you do what you need to do. You know, it's you take the risk that you need to take. Uh, she actually encouraged me to take more risks um, in terms of going after larger clients and doing things and stepping out of my comfort zone. She was very supportive in that regard, but she was not involved at all in the day to day. So she would see some of the stress that I brought home but not necessarily have any idea what specific elements that stress was attached to. And did the business struggles cause a strain on your relationship? Yes. There wasn't any, I, I think anytime there's financial strain, um, it causes a strain on the relationship. And I would say in our uh, marriage, the financial strain and, you know, having to, to really tighten things uh, up as far as our personal budget goes, as well as just the stress that I tended to bring home through that time, um, definitely, definitely had an impact uh, on our marriage. I think for me personally, there's obviously a, an impact to uh, your sense of pride or, or self-worth. Like this, this was what I had built to take care of us and it was working and then it broke. And I can't point the finger at anyone else except myself when that broke. And so I think that caused some negative mind chatter or contributed to negative mind chatter that may have already been there. And I'm sure some of that, uh, you know, insecurity and challenge bled over into, into my relationship in ways that 
at the time I, I wasn't even paying attention to because I was stressed and thinking about what to do. So talk to me about that, that negative chatter in your mind. How did you uh, work through those challenges of those negative voices? For me, a lot of it comes back to celebrating previous success purposefully um, and looking at taking a real objective look at what you've accomplished. I mean, I think the statistic last time I looked at it was 90% of small businesses fail and most of those within the first five years. So when you think about it that way, like everyone wants to be in that successful 10%, but me really not knowing how to run a business, having no background in business, no school in that, and really just figuring it out by testing and failing uh, as I as I went. Looking back at the real successes that we did have, I, I had a team that I loved. I had great relationships with the team. They were fantastic producers. Um, you know, we, we had a really positive working relationship. Uh, and there's still people that I refer to all the time. Uh, and they refer stuff back to me as well looking at some of the clients we worked with, I, I still get clients that will reach out to me on LinkedIn today, even though it's been a couple of years and they're like, Hey, we were thinking of doing, you know, this kind of project. Is this still something that you're doing? And really looking at those successes um, and trying to keep a mental record of that. Cause it's easy to forget all of those things. Um, especially when shit hits the fan um, and things aren't going exactly how they're supposed to go in your mind it's easy to forget those real successes that you've had along the way. Um, so for me, keeping a mental track record and then just putting that in perspective and, and being, this is going to sound ironic, but I guess having, having some humility, it, it was a very humbling experience to have that failure that was definitely attached to my pride and, and definitely a struggle to work through, but then just owning that, I guess, and having, uh, in my case, kind of the forced <laughs> humility to say, well, that happened and that sucked, but that's not the end of it. Um, that, that doesn't mean that we haven't had some success along the way. And it sure as hell doesn't mean that uh, it's time to give up and not do anything else. And really just kind of looking forward with there's the idea that there's more uh, to come down the road in that one failed venture um, should just be a long list of failures um, and attempts in any successful life. You don't understand, Donna. If I move out of the chamber office, then I lose access to lots of new business. But you're not able to complete the work you already have. Shouldn't you... A situation I wouldn't be in if I didn't hire that moron. You know, David, you're working a lot of extra hours. I have to. That kid really put me in a tough spot. You don't have to be in this alone. Unless you have learned how to build Facebook ads, I am stuck doing this alone. I sure as hell can't afford to hire anyone. How did you handle any anger that you experienced through this time? Candidly, it was really hard to be angry with anyone except myself. Um, I think all the, the consequences of that were really pointed at myself. And so if my wife was you know, back to our relationship, if she was frustrated or she was angry, she, she really had every right to be as someone who was supportive um, and, and really kind of gave me the, the reins in doing that. And she really wasn't 
know, that angry and didn't have any major fallouts there. I, I think anger was not a major component um, of the experience that I had when this collapsed. Most of that was frustration and stress. Um, and I think just managing those two things and putting them in perspective kind of helped keep any major anger issues away. What ultimately led you to the decision to shut your doors? It was totally financial. Um, I talked I talked with an attorney. Uh, I went to him and was like, hey, we have a, a business that is over leveraged. Um, you know, we don't have enough sales to cover what we're doing. Uh, we have several lines of credit. Uh, and it was his advice uh, to just go, hey, uh, this is what you can do to close the doors, restructure, here's how you can protect yourself as best as possible in this situation. Uh, so really just consulting with an attorney and laying it out um, and, and giving him the financial breakdown. He was like, here's, here's your best option, shut it down this way. Um, and then here are personal considerations that you should take uh, with your own personal finances and all of that stuff. So you are currently running uh, another business for yourself. What have yep. you changed in your current business that you didn't do before? So actually have another business born out of my inability to sell specifically um, in the midst of the collapse of my previous business. Um, I really started diving into more I guess when I saw the writing on the wall uh, several months before the actual official closing happened, um, I started diving into trying to figure out what what is the disconnect between the services that we offer and why are we not getting more people through the door? Why are we not getting more sales? And as I started talking to a lot of other local business owners, I got the same question a lot of times. People were in literally the exact same position we were of saying, Hey, this is the service I provide. I can't seem to find anyone that wants my service video production. For example, there's just not people who need video production, or if they do, their expectation of it is totally different than what I'm actually trying to offer. And in that process of uh, analysis and dissection, I realized almost all of us really struggle to put in perspective what the actual value and return on investment is going to be for a client. So I know now looking back at our relationships with like Delta airlines, for example, if we produced a, a video that they used on their social media account, the return on investment of stuff that they got in pushing that as part of a, an outreach campaign was massive because that's the content they use to keep re-engaging with their customers uh, and even drive some of their customer relationship management. They use that content as uh, a talking point to get people to start a conversation with them or to keep them top of mind. And when you have hundreds of thousands or millions and millions of customers, that's a big return on investment, even for a, a quote unquote expensive video at you know 15 or 20,000 bucks. And so diving into that process of analysis and trying to figure out what's what's the actual value we're providing for Delta, it's not a video. Uh, at the end of the day, they, they don't care about the video. They could give two shits about the content. It's actually the opportunity to stay in front of their customers and the opportunity to engage with them. And once we started repositioning our understanding of the value we were offering, that's when doors opened uh, for this new business and things that we're doing. So this, uh, this new business that I run is centered specifically around lead generation and sales optimization, 
born out of the inability to do that before. But most of our work with clients is figuring out you run an IT services company. There are literally hundreds of thousands of IT services company across the US and nobody thinks that they need your services until it's too late. Nobody cares that you offer great customer service. Nobody ca- like that's a given in today's world. What they really want to know is what's the actual value you're bringing. So in the case of IT services, for example, it's usually a very specific problem. We help school systems fix this problem with, you know, kids using computers in this way, or we help uh, work businesses streamline this process and save 5,000 bucks per person at their office. Um, And having a better idea of that end value provided is most of our work right now. And I I think that's the biggest shift um, kind of mentally and, and in our approach and position is what's what's the end value that we're actually providing and leading with that on behalf of the customer. Um, and then of course there's there's a lot of stuff now like we we have no debt. Uh, we, we don't have lines of credit. everything is is operated on cash, which makes things um, a, a little more challenging at times because we don't have, uh, big pockets to do big projects initially. And we have to think through that from a contract perspective a little more. Um, but overall, it, it puts us in a much better position. Nathan, thank you very much for this. Can Is there anything else that you would like to add that you may find significant? I, I think the one thing that I wish I would have done earlier is really admit to myself, you know, look at the finances, look at... Um, look at the results and everything we're doing and go, oh shit, we're, <laughs> we're in a difficult spot. I wish uh, looking back now that I would have leveraged more relationships better uh, in order to try and avoid some of that pain and, or maybe just not ride things out quite as long. I, I wish that I would have been honest with myself and maybe admit failure in that uh, a little bit sooner. Uh, or at least sought help sooner um, and then made some decisions there. Cause I mean, ultimately the end result probably would have been the same. Um, it just would have relieved a bit of that stress, I think uh, to actually seek some help um, and deal with some of those issues sooner. David doubled down on fixing the problems rather than moving his business back home. He spent more time at the office in the chamber building. His plan was to spend more time around people and try to drum up extra business. Being where the hustle and bustle of the chamber was meant he could be there when business was needed. After all, luck has a large part to play at business, right? Thank you for meeting me, Donna. To be honest, I contemplated not coming. You haven't been exactly fun to be around. I think I made a huge mistake. What mistake? I thought being where all the people were would give me more opportunities to land new business. All it really did was take me away from doing the jobs I was already hired to do. So what are you going to do? David's instinct wasn't wrong. Landing more business could have helped. But David missed two very important elements. First, he let his anger get the best of him. Colin Powell once said, Get mad, then get over it. When we let anger control our decision-making process, we make decisions based on emotion and ignore the logic. 
The second element David missed was the importance of holding on to the business he already had. By trying to land more business, David targeted earning his way out of trouble. Sometimes the better approach is to save your way out of trouble. David was forced to shut down his business and go to work at a local marketing design firm. While today's story resulted in a failure, the lessons we learned from David are mission critical for every business owner. Know when it is time to hunker down and focus on what you've got. Do a great job for those who have entrusted you and save every dime you've got. It is that dreaded time when we must push back from the table and uh, maybe take a nap, you know, to reflect on what we've learned. Please, before you doze off, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs the emotional push that only the Business Buffet can give. Also, please take a moment to write a review for us on Apple Podcasts and help us reach new entrepreneurs like yourself. Thank you for listening, and remember to eat hearty in business.